Hi, everyone. This is Steve Carroll, and this is the Ambasin Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about croup, since it's right around that time of year. This episode was written and recorded by Taylor Fisher and Stuart Harsant, two physician assistants who have provided an excellent summary of something we see a lot in the ED. This episode will review how to recognize croup and its severity, how to treat it, and how to disposition the patient. I'll be back in at the end with a few summary points, but for now, here's Taylor Fisher and Stuart Harsant on Croup in the ED. Hi, welcome to this special edition of EM Basic, the very first episode composed by physician assistants, your friendly ED extenders. My name is Taylor Fisher. I graduated from Methodist University Physician Assistant Program in 2009, and I'm currently on faculty at Wingate University School of Physician Assistant Studies. And I'm Stuart Harsant. I am the Robin to Taylor's Batman. I graduated from Methodist University Physician Assistant Program as well, but in 2014. I've been practicing urgent care medicine in Asheville, North Carolina for two years. Today, we will be talking about croup, but first we need to give a disclaimer. Our views and opinions expressed do not represent Methodist University, Wingate University, FastMed Urgent Care, or Mission Health Systems. All right, so let's get started. Croup can be defined as infection of the upper airway, which leads to obstruction and a characteristic barking cough. The fancy word for croup is laryngeotracheitis, or if it extends into the bronchi, laryngeotracheobronchitis. That's a mouthful. Fun fact, the word croup is derived from Scottish for a raven's croak. That's interesting, Stuart. I've never heard of raven croak. Do you want me to show you? No. Now let's get back to croup. All right, all right. So croup, it is a minor to a very severe disease process frequently seen in the ER, representing about 15% of pediatric respiratory visits to the ER each year, and it affects about 6 in 100 children below the age of 6 years old every year. It is more common in the late fall and winter months, and is seen more commonly in boys, with about a 1.5 to 1 ratio to girls. Croup incidence decreases over three years and is rarely seen over the age of six. Yes, it is a viral syndrome affecting the upper airway, including the larynx, trachea, and sometimes the bronchi. Swelling and edema below the level of the glottis leads to turbulent airflow and subsequent strider in moderate to severe cases. This is also a cause for the classic seal bark cough. The most common pathogen is parainfluenza, but croup can also be caused by adenovirus, rhinovirus, RSV, and influenza, amongst other viruses. So, Stuart, what would the classic case of croup look like in the ER? Well, the classic presentation of croup would be a toddler with a seal-like barking cough, runny nose, fever, and depending on the severity, various signs of respiratory distress. The patient's parents may say something like, over the past three days, my child's cough has gotten worse, and he seems like he's having trouble breathing, especially at night. We really just don't know what to do. The only thing that has helped so far has been taking him outside in the cool night air. So, Stu, how does a groupie cough really sound? What was that? S sorry, to, I hit the wrong button. Here you go. Dang it, Stu. Okay, okay. I got it this time for sure. Here's here's croup. <coughs> okay, that's better. 
So let's talk about a differential diagnosis so we can exclude other red flag signs and symptoms that may lead us down a different path. Well, how about epiglottitis? That's right. That's a big bad one you really want to rule out. Patients with epiglottitis will lack the classic cough. Kids with croup also tend to look worse than they actually are. Kids with epiglottitis may appear calm in tripod position and may appear better than they actually are. Drooling is a hallmark of epiglottitis too. Luckily though, with Haemophilus influenza vaccines, epiglottitis incidence has dramatically decreased over the years. There's also retropharyngeal abscess in which the patient would also lack the seal-like barking cough. This patient, if old enough, will likely complain of a severe sore throat. Another thing to rule out would be angioedema. Patients with angioedema will have a more acute onset of symptoms and likely swelling of lips, tongue, other body parts. They may have a rash and even GI symptoms. Foreign body aspiration is also on the differential, but may include wheezing and voice changes. So can you give me a summary of those findings? Sure. If a child three months to six years old presents for cough and strider, but he or she is not drooling, there is no swelling of the lips, does not complain of a sore throat, is not wheezing, and has the classic seal bark cough, fever, runny nose, with or without strider at rest, the diagnosis is probably croup. Yes, and once we settle on the diagnosis of croup, we need to stratify it as mild, moderate, or severe. Labs generally aren't indicated. Soft tissue x-rays of the neck could show the traditional steeple sign, a picture of which we will attach in our show notes. That being said, steeple sign can be present in asymptomatic children and be absent in up to 50% of symptomatic children. In mild croup, the patient will have the classic cough but generally has no strider at rest. With moderate croup, the patient will have strider at rest, decreased air intake, and possibly retractions. Severe croup is defined as strider at rest, decreased air intake, and cyanosis with agitation. Generally, these kids are pretty agitated. Patients who are headed towards respiratory failure will have an altered level of consciousness as well. You may have heard of the Wesley croup score, and although an epidemiological tool, it can be a way of quantifying croup severity. We will attach a copy to the show notes as well. All right, now let's treat this kid and save the day. Saving lives. Saving lives. So the two main goals of treatment are to reduce airway obstruction and improve oxygenation. You should make sure you approach the patient calmly because crying has been showed to potentially worsen the patient's symptoms and increase oxygen demand. In a patient with mild croup, a single dose of dexamethasone may be enough to improve symptoms within a few hours. This should be given in the least invasive way possible. A trick we like to use in the urgent care is to draw up the IM or IV dexamethasone dose and give it PO mixed with a small amount of flavored ibuprofen or Tylenol to cover up the taste, which can be pretty foul. Decadron does come in an oral format. But the concentration is such that high doses are often needed, sometimes requiring as much as 160 milliliters, which is obviously absurd, hence using the IM version. If PO is not an option, it should be given IM. Taylor, what about any other steroids? I see oropred, or oral prednisolone, being given a lot, but the research doesn't support its use, and the standard course is three days. Decadron is so widely available, there's really no reason to use anything else. 
Let's talk about racemic epi. Yes, let's. For moderate to severe croup, epinephrine is the first-line treatment, along with the decadron. Classically, racemic epinephrine is used. It is theorized to have a longer half-life than standard epi, but again, recent studies have shown this to be false. We use standard epinephrine 1 to 1,000 mixed with 3 milliliters of normal saline. The epi dose is 0.5 milliliters per kilogram. It can be given every two hours, but be careful and make sure the patient is connected to a cardiac monitor if multiple doses are required. Have you ever used Heliox before? Heliox? No, I've never even heard of it. Well, it's a combination of 30% helium and 70% oxygen. In theory, the helium reduces air turbidity as it passes across the swollen airway, thus allowing for ease of breathing. The problem is that it only works with high percentages of helium, which means reduced oxygen concentration. Again, research shows no improvement over standard therapy. Plus, you might get that horrible helium voice. Yes, and that would be tragic. So, what about the patient in obvious respiratory distress? He's cyanotic and has a decreased level of consciousness. That patient needs intubation and a pediatric consult as soon as possible. A good rule of thumb for intubation is to use the tube one size smaller than what is recommended to compensate for the decreased airway lumen. Those patients are few and far between, luckily, and the vast majority get to go home. The basic discharge criteria for patients are as follows. Three hours since the last dose of epinephrine, non-toxic appearance, the child must be able to take fluids well, the caretaker must be able to recognize changes in the child's condition and has adequate transportation to return if needed. Parents should have a phone and you should be aware of any social issues that might be of concern. And if possible, the child should have a follow-up in 24 hours. All right, let's talk about admission criteria. You would admit the patient, obviously, if intubation was necessary. Also, if the patient falls within the moderate or severe distress category, showing strider at rest, intercostal retractions, tachypnea, agitation, or difficulty with talking or feeding, which show no improvement in symptoms after three doses of epi. This patient would need to be admitted. You may also consider further workup in the ED and ENT consultation. Anything else, Stu? Well, let's hit some of the high notes again. Croup is a viral illness that is common in children up to three years of age. Most cases will involve only mild croup, and this responds well to a single dose of dexamethasone, either orally or IM. Croup can be classified into three categories, mild, as you noted, moderate, and severe. These can be delineated by the presence of strider, either at rest or with agitation, or signs and symptoms of respiratory failure. The treatment of moderate and severe croup should include nebulized epinephrine and, if necessary, intubation. Well, Taylor, I think that's all the time we have for today. You're right, Stu. I hope this podcast was not only helpful, but enjoyable as well. That's all for now, folks. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hey, everyone. This is Steve again. A big thanks to Taylor and Stuart for putting this episode together. That was a great and concise review of croup in the ED. One point I wanted to emphasize was how to make the decision to give racemic epi in children with croup. Racemic epi is reserved for those children who have strider at rest. Strider is that noisy inspiratory breathing that is instantly recognizable. Kids with croup are allowed to have some strider when they're agitated or crying, and they don't necessarily need racemic epi if their strider disappears when they calm down. 
However, those with Strider at rest should get racemic epi without delay, or regular epinephrine nebulize as well, as they talked about. It's often best to have the child's parent or caregiver administer this to the patient so they don't get more agitated when the mask is put on their face. You don't need IV access or chest x-rays unless the patient looks toxic and you suspect something serious, so keep the patient calm and in the parent's arms as much as possible. You'll find that a lot of kids with croup are a lot better after arrival in the ED from exposure to the cold night air that makes it easier for them to breathe. For those, some dexamethasone and reassurance is all they need. But if you hear Strider at rest, those patients need either racemic or regular epinephrine nebulized. I want to take a second and give a shout out to our bandwidth sponsor, EB Medicine. If you want to do the deep dive on croup, they have an issue of pediatric emergency medicine practice from September 2012 that has an excellent review on this topic. Not only is it an excellent review, but it's also available for free for anyone who wants a copy. You can follow the link on the blog post at embase.org. Remember that residents can get free access to all of EB Medicine's great materials, and attendings can get a discount by going to ebmedicine.net slash embasic or clicking on the link at embasic.org. That's all we have for now on Croup. Until next time, Steve Carroll for EM Basic, signing off.